What's up, everybody? This is David, host of the Fantasy Football Sour Captains podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. It's episode number five, and I'm still fucking sick. It sucks. You know how many times it's taken me to record the intro to this podcast? Way too damn long, and my throat is, like, killing me. So I'm not going to waste too much time talking. We've got a lot of cool content for you today. Matt... One of the ho- one of the other hosts of the show is uh, jumping on to give his orphan takeover strategy. I think that's really important, especially in the off season, because a lot of people are probably in a situation where they need to uh, take over a spot in a salary cap league, and it's such a pain in the ass uh, to do. It's hard to do, and um, I think he's done a great job in our home league. Um, if you guys don't already. Uh, go follow him on Twitter, but um, he is uh, really a brilliant guy. I've known him for years. I've worked with him uh, at BMW down in Charlotte, and uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, that is. Whoa, whoa. Uh, he's from Boston, knows a lot about Tom Brady. I think he worships Tom Brady. He might have an altar uh, of Tom Brady's uh, face on his fireplace mantle with candles, and he probably says little prayers to Tom Brady's uh, butt chin. And um, he loves Boston sports in general, Boston Bruins hockey and all that kind of shit. So go follow him on Twitter. It's Matthew E. Baker on Twitter. We are located at the FF Salary Captain. Sorry, FF Salary Captain on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is David underscore Hill 99. Basic as fuck. I know. But we love talking salary cap. We love talking fantasy football. And uh, Matt's going to get into his orphan strategy a little later on. But before that happens, got a very special guest. He is the CEO of DynastyOwner.com. If you guys have not already, go check out that website, www.DynastyOwner.com. It is a brand new fantasy football salary cap format. And I said that correctly. It is a salary cap fantasy football format. So... It was very fitting and proper to get him on to talk about the new leagues that he is launching with this format. It is a beta run this season. So if you guys have not already, go and sign up. Uh, even though the first 250 has already been filled, he's probably still going to accept some more users to try out the new format this year. So go jump in. Um, can't wait. Drafts are going to start sometime in the summer. So that's pretty cool. <clears throat> Uh, Dynasty Owner, we're going to get into kind of the nitty-gritty uh, with Paul, but it's kind of unique, and um, I think we're, we're, we're very excited for it to launch. So without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Paul, and then we're going to roll right into that. Uh, from that into Matt's Orphan Takeover. It's episode number five of the same Fantasy Football Salary Captains podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Finally fucking made it through this intro. Peace! All right, what's going on, everybody? This is David over at the Fantasy Salary Captains Podcast. I am really excited to introduce a special guest today. Uh, we have Paul from Dynasty Owner on tonight. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing wonderful, David. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. I am really excited to uh, get a chance to kind of dive into this new product that you're launching uh, this off season. Really excited. Um, before we jump into Dynasty Owner, everything that you're doing um, over there, just wanted to see if you could maybe give us a background on yourself and how you got into fantasy football and um, into the sports kind of area just in general. Great. So I've always been a sports fan. Um, I moved back to the Northeast Ohio area. I'm in Cleveland uh, back in 04. And I was always a Cavs fan and became really hardcore about basketball. Um, I'm in business world. I own actually about 15 businesses right now. Um, a lot of it's some of it's real estate. A lot of it's just all across the board. Um, and in 10, 11 years ago, in 2008, I pursued buying a, a team. I actually was about two weeks away from buying a piece of the Miami Heat. That's always been exciting. People always love that story. Um, it didn't close because of uh, an issue with one of the partners. Uh, he wanted to change the partnership doc. So because I'm not as wealthy as him, I decided to bail on the deal. 
Um, it turned out I was wrong. What I, what I, what I was worried about with him doing, he never did. And uh, I don't know if everybody knows, but sports team values have skyrocketed. I was buying the team for uh, basically a value of 435 million. I think the team's now worth like a billion and a half. So whoops. But either way, everything's 2020 in hindsight. So, you know, I've always been into sports and I played fantasy sports back in the 2000s. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't really like it. Um, you know, since I'm a business minded person, I never thought in terms of players and that's it. I think in terms of, okay, what does that player cost me? You know, as an example, LeBron always said he was never going to get paid what he was worth to a franchise. And he's right. I mean, we have, there's, there's individual player caps in the NBA. So he was always capped on what he could make. Um, and even today he's at the highest paid player in the NBA and he's never been. So it's kind of ironic that a guy like that, who's done so much for every team he's been on is not the highest paid player in the NBA. So I always thought that way. So when I played fantasy sports, I was just like, okay, well, I'll trade you this player for this player, big deal. So I stopped playing it. And a few years went by, and by 2011, 2012, somebody said to me, was doing the same thing. Why don't you play? Why don't you play? Explain it. And I said, you know what? There's got to be a way for me to make a game that looks at the at fantasy sports from more of the business and, and, and uh, general manager owner side. So I looked into it, and I found salary cap leagues, but none of the salary cap leagues use actual contracts and actual values. So I decided to create one. So I created this thing back in 2012, 13, 14, and it was a colossal failure. The developers were awful. It went terrible. I barely even launched it. It was a complete cluster F from the beginning. So I shut it down. But I always thought, okay, maybe I'll bring it back. And it kept, the ironic part was we had a Facebook page. It was small. We had some people fill out some surveys, heard about the game. And over the years, every so often, they would reach out to me and say, hey, are you doing this game? I said, no, unfortunately, we're not. They're like, man, it was such a good idea, et cetera. So this past year, after doing a couple other programs for some of my other businesses, I found a great group of developers who really kicked butt on it, kicked butt on all the programs I had them made, make. And so I brought it back. And so now we're developing the game again. The biggest issue we had before was the draft. And they've already, they, I made them do the draft first and foremost. That way it was done. And it's gone great. So we're launching the game this year in a beta. And uh, that's where I'm at. I want to change. You know, after I, cre- after I started to create Dynasty Owner the first time around, that's when FanDuel and DraftKings became big. So everything went from week-to-week games to daily games. Now, this is the exact opposite of those. This is going to long-term strategy, salary cap, and Dynasty League put together. But you're basically operating the team from the owner's perspective. You're going to pay the salaries and the contracts. You're going to win money week to week in Dynasty Dollars. You're going to pay your salaries every week. You're going to have luxury taxes. You're going to have revenue share. You're going to have trade fees. And it's all going to go. It's actually, that's one of the big aspects of the game. So obviously, you're going to have questions on that. But um, that's how it all started. That's my background. And uh, it's been fun. I, I'm so excited to get the game going. It's all self-funded. So I'm not, you know having to listen to investors are going to tell me you have to do this. If you do that, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it and really listen to the users, especially the beta users and how we can make the game great going forward. Wow. Wow. That, that's really cool. A lot to unpack. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome, man. So you, um, you have more of a business background and less of a like fantasy football expert. You're not like a hardcore dynasty football player. You're, really interested in the cap functionality player values building a long-term team basically and that's okay and i I think that's really cool i think that's a lot of people that play salary cap um come from you know the fantasy football they play redraft or dynasty and (laughs) excuse me and um you know, they jump into salary cap and, and it's it's half that, but it's also half management and managing your personal cap situation and also seeing in the league, you know, what players are coming up and moving around. And um, it's a lot more strategy. I think the people that play salary cap are really interested in learning maybe a little bit more about how this strategy that you have um, in Dynasty Owner, how it is different from a normal salary cap league. Um, I know that you use real player salaries. They're just like the NFL um, as far as their contracts. Now, <laughs> what control, if any, does the owner? So let's say if I have a um, let's say if I have Russell Wilson, I don't know what his salary is, but let's just say that he's owed six million dollars over the next two years. Uh, I know it's like super cheap, but 
Um, as the owner, do you have any control over cutting a player, trading players, um, or is it completely locked in? <coughs> excuse me, completely walk, locked in uh, to mirror exactly what's going on in the NFL. Great question. So this is a this is a, this is a great point to bring up a bar game. So my goal is part of bringing this back to regular fantasy football that people have grown to love is about you picking the right players. If you're picking a player like Russell Wilson, let's say he gets cut in the real NFL, you're basically going to be punished in dynasty. And my count would be, Hey, listen, it's just like in regular sports. If they're mid contract with Russell Wilson, they cut him. They're getting penalized essentially too for guaranteed money or for hitting the salary, hitting their cap. So the same thing is happening in our game. You have no control over it. If you want to drop a player or wave a player that's currently on contract, we're going to penalize you much like you'd be penalized in the real NFL for doing the exact same thing. So our goal is to try to make penalties and other strategies that'd be consistent with if you actually had the real player. The NFL is kind of hard. So we're doing something a little bit different in our game. We're trying to make it consistent across all sports in the real NFL sports world. If you have, you've paid somebody all their guaranteed money in their contract, you're not penalized really for dropping them or, or, or waving them. Right. We're taking that in our, yeah, that's just dead money. But in our game, we're trying to make it consistent where in the future versions, we're going to have breakdowns for guaranteed and non-guaranteed money. And in fact, we're the only, we have a patent right now that's active where we're the only game that can, that can, break a contract down between guaranteed money, non-guaranteed money, bonus money, et cetera. But for the, for the first version, we're only going to have it be total contract divided by total number of years. So as an example, gotcha. just to bring up Russell Wilson, he signed a four-year $87.6 million contract. That's an average of $21.9 million a year. So if you have Russell Wilson, you have him for the full four years and $87.6 million, and you're going to pay him $21.9 per year for the first go-around. Now, as time goes on, we'll change that. But if he gets dropped or he gets waived by Seattle, I'm going to tell you, hey, listen, part of your strategy is how old is he? Is he likely to get cut? Go look at his real contract. I mean, do you want to go invest that kind of money in a player that might be, for example, if let's say he's 37 and signed that deal, which he's not, and it's very highly likely he'll get cut before the end of his contract, you got to affect that into your strategy. And that's mm-hmm. the whole goal of the game for, for, for the first version. So – how is it so is it work on the flip side too to where you have a player that maybe you're paying a little bit too much money for because his real life NFL salary is a little bit too much let's say let's say it's somebody like Vontez Perfect he's a linebacker for I know I don't I, I'm not sure if you have IDP players or defensive players um, supported in your system just yet but he's a player that is you know, always in and out of trouble, suspended and all this. He, he has money that he's guaranteed. But let's say he's on my roster and midway through the season, the Bengals decide we don't want this guy anymore and he's cut. How does that affect my team now that he doesn't isn't getting paid any more money after this year? Great question. So for the first version, we're just doing total defenses. We're not doing IDP yet. Okay. I definitely want to get an IDP in the future. But using him as an Sweet. example... Yeah, and but using for example, you're going to get penalized because if he has now if he gets picked up by another team, you still have his contract. You're okay as long as they honor the whatever they honor the contract. But if he never gets picked up again because he's a troublemaker, right? And you're going to be then basically I'm going to say to you, hey, you want to waive him? You're going to get penalized in our game. The penalty will be fifty percent of the balance of the contract. So let's say for example, um, I don't know his cap. Let's let's use the Russell Wilson example anyhow. Okay. Here's eighty-seven point six. Let's say it's after year two. So he's owed $43.8 million. That's the number that's right. Yep. If you cut him, you're going to owe half that $43.8 million, which is $21.9 bucks. You're going to owe mm-hmm. that in a penalty. Now, the good news is we're splitting that penalty between us, and we're going to put it towards – one of the great things about our game is our championship um, prize will grow and grow, and everybody will get half of the – half of any fees, luxury taxes, and all those things that are paid will go toward the pot for the winning, for the championship, uh, for the championship and runner-up team. And there'll be other prizes for teams in our leagues, like most efficient, things like that. So gotcha. the thing is, is when you do pay those penalties, they are going towards building a bigger pot. But you will definitely have to, when you waive a player, 
even if you're a troublemaker off the field, you have to factor that in there when you're taking that player. I mean, right. I really want people to consider, like, am I really willing to go spend this money to go get a player that might be a troublemaker, might be a brat or whatever he is? Mm-hmm. You, you got to factor it in there because that's real sports ownership. Real sports ownership. I mean, you saw Johnny Manziel when he fell for 22nd pick for the Browns. Their comment yeah. was, hey, at $2.1 million a year, we'll take that risk. But we weren't going to take that risk at the fourth pick because that's right. $7 million a year. We're not willing to do that. So these are all the strategies I want people considering when they start doing these, these drafts and things like that. And I want them to pick high caliber. And by the way, as a real sneak peek down the road, we want to make virtual stadiums and, ver- and also make it so that the better your players are off the field, the more revenue you're getting because of having a positive impact on the, on the, on the area you're in, et cetera. Cause we want to reward people and penalize people for picking up troublemakers and things like that. Just like a regular <laughs> football team would actually have happen in that way. You know, when you have a, when you have a player who's always getting in trouble, it doesn't reflect poor, well on your team and it should, and it's going to hurt you anyway. So that's part of our long-term plan as well. That is so cool. It's, it's, it almost seems like it is a, role-playing game mixed yep. with a fantasy football game and real-life NFL. Yep, using, exactly. That's really cool. So you touched on this just a couple minutes ago. You are planning on um, having payouts, uh, league fees, that sort of thing is all tied to the player's contract and how much, quote-unquote, dynasty dollars that you're spending on your roster. Can you just kind of touch on that real quick yep. because I think that's a really cool concept that, you know, in a normal fantasy football league, I'm, I'm going to pay, everybody's going to pay 20 bucks or whatever everybody agrees on 20 bucks, 40 bucks, hundred bucks to play in the league. And that's your fee for that year. And everybody yep. knows what the bonus is, the, the payout's going to be. It's all set in stone. How do you take a different approach um, to this setup? Is it the same Entry, like for every single, like, so every league that, uh, let's say there's, you know, a league of 10 guys in your, um, in, uh, you're like, I don't know how you're going to have it set up, but let's say there's 10 owners in one league and does everybody pay the same amount based on the players they have? How, how does this work? Great question. So it'll probably sound more complicated over this, but try to bear with me. Uh, it's not very complicated at all. It's just a, a lot of new stuff. So first off, there'll be 10 teams in every league. Everybody's fee every year will be $99 per team. So I say per team, because if you have it, we're going to allow people to have an NFL, NBA, and, 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 and Major League Baseball franchise. That's okay. part of things. So it's $99 each one. Now, because of gaming laws, we can't take that fee and pay it out to people directly for winning um, we can't do that because we're not willing to pay the what would about about a million dollars a year in fees around the country to get it done. Now the goal is down the road as we get bigger and bigger and this thing grows, if we have a couple hundred thousand users, yeah, we'll be able to do that, no problem. But in the meantime, we're gonna, that ninety nine dollar fee will come to us. Now every team that starts gets ten million dollars of dynasty dollars. Now every week you play, if you win, you get your salaries back for free, so you basically didn't cost you any salaries. And if you lose, you still get money, but you only get half your salaries back. So, you, so it'll cost you dynasty dollars if you lose. And you purchase dynasty dollars from us. And we're trying to determine the exact amount, but it's probably going to be around $2 for every $1 million dynasty dollars. So the whole strategy is you can win week to week as well. And then as the year goes on, we're going to start the pot for the winning. So there'll be a championship and the runner-up gets a payout. And then we also are going to give a payout to the most efficient team. When I say most efficient team, the person that we're going to do a factor of who gets the most points and the least amount of money. So you'll take your total salaries and luxury taxes and divide it by your total points scored for your team. And we're going to rank people that way. Cause we want to, we want people to think about how do you score the most points, and the least amount of money. So that'll mm. get a payout as well. But as the year goes on and fees are collected for luxury taxes, trade fees, uh, waiver fees, <laughs> things like that, a portion of that money will go into that championship pot and that championship pot will show it growing on your dashboard every single week. So every single week, you can see that growing, that, that pot growing and growing. There'll be 13 or 14 games the regular season, and then we're going to have the playoffs, and uh, it'll be two rounds of playoffs, and four teams out of the 10 will make it. And uh, that's our goal is to make it a very, like you said, RPG. We always joked and said, 
we're either gonna have sports guys doing this or yeah. like the Dungeons and Dragons right from back in the day. <laughs> no, we we always did say that. It was funny that you mentioned that because we always did believe that. Right. And so that's our plan. We want to make it very we don't want to complicate it too much at the beginning. What I explained isn't very complicated. It's basically winning money week to week. You either get your salaries back for winning or you cost you half your salaries. And then at the end of the season, you have a championship like everything else. And along the way, you have fees like everybody else has for trading players, dropping players, waiving them, paying luxury tax, things like that, just like everybody else in the real sports has. And you go about doing that, and then who knows what that grows to. A very active league could have the pot grow big time. It could grow to – double in size if you have a very non-active league it doesn't matter it's just you know it'll be a lower pot but it'll be a 99 dollars fee every year for each team mm-hmm. and uh the goal will be that you know the, the reason to win dynasty dollars why it's important is it's less money out of my out of your pocket to pay to pay luxury tax in the field let's say you win the championship this year and you win hypothetically 200 million dynasty dollars well next year your luxury taxes are 70 million dollars you don't have to pay that because now you have $200 million in your account, you're fine. So that's the whole point. You still have to pay your annual fee, but the operating the team will be a lot cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as time goes on and you win more. So you'll have that incentive to go spend money on luxury taxes, waiving players. Let's say you have a garbage contract on a, a guy that costs a lot of money. You're not going to drop them and use those dynasty dollars to pay that. So it's all part of the long-term planning of the game, the team. And we want to make it so that since we can't pay out people directly – we want to be able to give it a reason for them to go make more dynasty dollars. That way they don't, it doesn't cost them as much money to operate their teams. So here's what I, here's what it like. I, I love about this already is that you obviously have a great mind for this kind of stuff. And you've got a team of people behind you that are, that are making this stuff happen. And I think I'm, I can probably speak for a lot of other commissioners that commission salary cap leagues it is a pain in the ass to manage and the fact that you guys are putting all this back and work into it and you're allowing all these unique aspects to this and none of the players have to really worry about anything except for their team itself is awesome. Well, like thank just, you very much. Just, just flat out awesome. It's number one. It's very hard to keep a league like this together for a long time keep act, uh, owners active for enough uh, for a long enough period of time and to commission this kind of stuff it is it, it takes me a long time just to do my league and it's very simple compared to what you guys are rolling out so that's really cool um <clears throat> i don't know how much time you got so i'm, I'm going to be mindful of that i had a just a quick um I have have a bunch of questions, but just real quick, I wanted to see if you could kind of give me an insight, if you guys have already decided what the scoring is going to look like, the lineups and roster size, um, kind of like the nitty gritty, like you would really figure. uh, So it's a 10 team league, right? 10 team league, 20, there'll be 20 drafted slots per team. There'll be starters bench and then four practice squad positions, QB, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. So there'll be one QB. On, so for the, 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 the starter and the bench will be a QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, kicker, and defense, both of them. And then the practice squad will be a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And to explain the practice squad, it's not really a practice squad. It's just if you want to, for example, you had Patrick Mahomes his rookie year. You know, he was behind Alex Smith. But if you, for some reason, you were smart enough to realize, hey, this guy is talented. I, I'm willing to pay his salary the $2 million a year while he sits on the practice squad, not gaining any points, put him there. Because in our game, one of, the, one of the benefits we have is we have bench scoring. I believe a real dynasty is built on a strong bench. So we don't give zero points to bench. We give about, it's going to be about 25 or 30%. We haven't determined that exactly. But your bench will still score points because we believe you should be rewarded for having a deep bench. So that's one of the things we're doing that's different. Um, so for right now, it's, it's going to be a 20-man roster until we get to the IDP, then it'll obviously grow from there. Um, let's see. What, are the, what was the other? That's pretty much the rosters, 10-team leagues. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the, 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 you know does that. And we don't know our salary cap exactly yet. We're going to use this beta season to figure mm-hmm. it out. My guess is it's going to be around 130 to $160 million. I know it's a wide range. Okay. Well, we don't know how people are going to operate. I mean, maybe people will go for – I mean, look at quarterbacks. They're the most expensive position, and there's only so many starting quarterbacks. There's only 30 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, so right. – or 30 active ones. I mean, you know, wide receivers come in and out. Some guys start, some guys don't. You can still 
get a good non-starting wide receiver to still do well. So that's going to be the one we're most cognizant of. But I, my guess is that will be where the salary cap is, and we'll always announce it every year. And but we're going to use this beta season to really determine a lot of how people interact with the game and how they make their decisions. And yeah. we want to make it strategic. That's cool. So really, I mean, having bench scoring really promotes people spending money on their rosters, not having. So I don't know if you man. So you have a you're drafted 20 slots. Yep. Right. But yep. you want to you, you don't want to just spend on super cheap guys. You want to have people that are also going to be producing, even if. So you're you're saying that you're starting one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, one tight end, kicker, and defense. Correct. Yep, That's your. That is correct. Okay. Um, but it is valuable to have a a solid backup QB that is actually going to produce because he's going to still count towards your total, you know, point output for the week because he gets a certain percentage, you know, in the total scoring pot for that. Uh, for that week in your matchup, right? Yeah, plus, if, if your starting QB is has a bye week, you're going to put him on the bench of the practice squad and put your other QB on the starter and put your other QB into your practice squad. That's the whole point of having the practice squad also is, you know, to make sure, since you have these guys for years, you, you want to make sure that, that it doesn't happen where two QB... That's one of the issues we have to figure out down the road is how do we want to handle two QBs, a user having two QBs that happen to have the same bye week in the same, in the same year by chance. Like the first year, everybody knows what the bye weeks are. They're not going to, but what about year three? All of a sudden you have Drew Brees and Tom Brady and they're both, they both have a week eight bye week. What are you going to do? We have to figure well, that out. Luckily that's not a year one decision to make, but these are all part of the strategies that we want to have people sure. consider and we have to consider as well. Well, you got, um, you know, you may have that happen once or twice and your other I mean, the people that you're playing against are also going to have that oh, of course, once exactly. or twice. so i mean it'll kind of balance out i guess in the in the long run how um scoring wise is it like a standard espn scoring setup yep. with like four touch uh four points a touchdown uh you know 25 yards gets you a point on the passing and then like is it ppr do you have any yeah, bonuses for tight ends yeah. or any? Yeah, we're mimicking ESPN completely. Whatever their scoring system is, okay. just to keep it simple. We're not trying to mess with that quite yet. I mean, I'm not, one of the things we want to do is we want to be different, but at the same token, I don't want to be different on scoring year one. That's something that we need to, we want to make sure that we get, uh, we don't confuse people with. We're just going to keep it as simple as possible. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, very cool, man. Um, yeah, I can get into a couple other things, but the only um, the only other thing I wanted to just um, ask you real quick was what do you do with uh, players that are that hold out? Do you just kind of deal with it like the NFL team has to deal with it? Like if you had Le'Veon Bell and you're paying him way too much money, is it does he do they get paid their salary based on them playing in that week's lineup, or do you pay them like? You know, if he's guaranteed $12 million, a lot of that's tied into game checks, right? So if, you know, you don't have to pay him a game check because he's holding out, how does that, how does that work? Great question. For our first year, it's going to be, unfortunately, you have to pay him his money because you picked him and, you know, that's just life. And luckily, not many holdouts do happen. Yeah, you just got to deal with it. And, yeah. you know, it's uh, if you if you think he's one of those guys who's going to, sit it out for a long period of time. Maybe you just drop him, bite the bullet, pay, you know, if, uh, if it's in the last year of his contract, then if you do, you waive him, you're only going to owe half as half that value remaining to, to, as a fee. So maybe it's better off just to waive him, get rid of him, and move on. So, you know, it's just, uh, that's just one of the things of the game you have to do. And, uh, you know, we're trying to, for, like I said, football is the very different one. Baseball and basketball have so much guarantees in their contracts. Football is right. different. It's so different. But we're just going to try to mimic. It's like a combination of all the leagues. If, like, for example, in football, there's a hard cap. There, you can't even have luxury taxes. We're right. we're doing luxury taxes in our football league, so it's a it's a blender blending of all. We're also going to have a league men. So, as we go along, it'll be a lot of blending of all the three leagues together and how we consider create our own salary cap and rules and things like that. But unfortunately, That's for cool. A guy like Bell just gonna be like, "Hey, sorry, that sucks. Drop him if you really want. If you want to get somebody else, just drop him and and uh, move on. Bite the bullet, pay the fee, and move on." Yeah, and it's kind of the same with a normal salary cap league setup. I mean, if people that have Bell, 
they guarantee him that money and it can, it really sucks. I mean, we, in my league, it's kind of a side note. Um, I allow, I don't allow suspended or holdout players on injured reserve. And the only thing I have is with injured reserve is like, you get a little bit of a cap break. So it's like a benefit if somebody breaks their leg and they can't play the rest of the year, like it allows you to, a, a little bit of money to go pick up players. Um, in your in your in your setup, uh, we could probably talk for another like hour, but I, I want to be mindful of your time. If 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 something happens and you need to pick up somebody, is there an open waiver setup? Do you guys just use like once a week? Do you guys run an auction and people can use their dynasty dollars to pick up players that are not on rosters? How how does that work? Yeah. So first off, one of the things I want to um, talk about is down the road we will have actual insurance too. Like now, football teams pay insurance um, policies if their players get injured we're going to have that down the road it won't be year one so that way if you do have a player who gets injured a legitimate injury you can get their salaries reimbursed to you for a weekly fee of whatever the insurance is so that's something down the road that i've always considered and always talked about and we're going to do down the road so that was something very exciting to handle injuries but in terms of waivers it's going to be completely auction when a player gets dropped then it'll be an auction with a deadline. Highest bidder gets the um, gets the um, gets the player. If there's a tie for highest bid, it would be the per- the team with the least amount of fantasy points at that point in the season who would get the uh, player, just to kind of support the crap of your team, I guess you'd say. Because I know yeah. in current football, it's based on you know the previous year's draft order, which is obviously the worst teams to the best teams. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of our way of doing it. Like, hey, if if you're having a terrible season and I'm having a great season and we tie, you're going to get the player in a, in auction tie. Awesome, man. Let's so writing this down. Um, I know you've got still tons of work to do. Yes. I really, really, really appreciate you. Uh, you jumping on and talking with me a little bit about this. What can we expect? I know you you're, we're doing a beta run this year. Have you filled it? So David, we killed it. We, uh, you know, we're having discussions right now whether we open the beta to a bigger group because we filled our beta in a matter of one week. We were floored. Our beta was only going to be 250 players, 250 users, and we're already over 300 signups for it. Wow. We're trying to decide what we do. Um, the beta is free, was free. It's not going to be free from here on out. Um, we're going to charge a fee for beta for the here on out. Cause we, like I said, we, it, it crushed. We, we were floored. We just did, you know, a couple podcasts with some people and boom. I mean, we, we already blew our, our, our goal. So I, we're, we're, we don't want to, we, we, I'm a big believer in the more users, the better, especially in the first year. I just want to make sure people understand what a beta means. A beta really means there will be a lot of issues. There'll be a lot of bugs. We're going to reward people for that, by the way, whoever reports bugs and they're right. We'll, we'll get dynasty dollars because we want to reward people for finding errors because it helps make the game better. But um, we're trying to decide what we do. By all means, still come to the website, dynastyunder.com. Still fill out the beta sign-up form because we will include you in some fashion. We just have to decide how it's going to be. The first 250 are getting a free beta because they acted fast. I mean, we got 100 signups in one day alone. So um, it blew our expectations, which is awesome because it shows there's demand for the game. We get a lot of questions from people on Facebook. We get a lot of emails. And uh, we're very hands-on, and it's, it's going to be fun. So all I can tell people is sign up, sign up, sign up. You'll get in somehow this year. The question is how we're going to do it. That is really cool. That's really cool. Um, cool, man. So when, um, when are we going to start having uh, some drafts go down for the people that are able to, we're able to get in the beta or are jumping in and want to, want to get going? Or is this something that's going to start taking place closer towards the end of the off season, like in August or no, how's that going to work? That's a great question. We're, um, our goal is that starting in June sometime, people will be able to do mock drafts and drafts, and hopefully sooner. But, you know, one thing I've learned about development is you got to give time. I don't mind having sure. errors, but at the same point, I want to make sure we build something, then our QA guys go break it, try to get as much out of it as possible, and then have the real users go out there and try to break it. So sometime in June, and everybody who signed up the beta is getting emails about it. It'll get emails about <laughs> updates, but people will be able to draft and start doing mock drafts and, in June and be able to figure things out and start doing their strategy because we don't want to wait to the last second for people to be able sure. to, you know, do their draft. So we're going to start doing everything in June. Um, and it's, uh, it's, like I said, it's going ahead of schedule. My developers are great developers. They're really, 
they're really attention to details. They're very big on putting quality code out there. So, you know, but at the same point, it's still software. It still breaks all the time. I mean, people don't realize every single time you update your iPhone or Android, there are tons of bugs in there that they didn't catch before. So it always happens. And uh, we're going to keep making this game because I think it has a lot of long-term potential. And the best part is, David, I, keep, I really can't stress this enough. We're all self-funded. We don't have to worry about, you know, everybody in the world of, of, of tech is trying to get as many users as possible, paying as much money as possible. That's not our goal. Our goal, in fact, we've always joked and said, there are 60 million fantasy uh, sports players in the United States. 60 million. I would be giddy as a schoolgirl if we stopped at 200,000 because I don't think this is a game that goes to the the millions of masses. This is not a game that everybody, because one of my main goals, David, is I actually want to get to the point where we have more demand than supply. I want to limit how many teams we have because it's very important that we don't have people dropping from teams, right. every, from leagues every year. So we're going to really control the supply of teams and that way we can make sure there's always a big demand. And that way, the other thing is we want people to be able to sell their teams in the future. If we limit how many teams are out there, people will be able to own teams and then sell them in the future to somebody else who might want to have a team. That's a big thing for us because we want people to be able to make money off this. So either way, that's the plan. And uh, so far, so good. It's way, I mean, it's going great. We're really excited. And like I say, go to dinosaur.com to the beta because you'll get in the beta somehow, but we just have to figure out how many people we, we allow in um, down the road. That is really exciting. So again, it's dynastyowner.com. Super realistic salary cap functionality, just like in the NFL. I think that's I think it's amazing, man. I really appreciate again you you taking the time to come and talk with me. Um, we're excited to uh, be able to get this out to our listeners because we're literally just focused on salary cap fantasy football. So definitely going to be um, something that the people that listen to this show are going to be really excited to to hear about and potentially jump in. Um, good luck with everything, man. I really appreciate it. Um, is there any anything else you want to plug? Anything you want to get out there before um, we go and wrap it up for tonight? No, just go to the website. It explains a little more about the game. Because um, because of uh, how how well the beta signups went, we threw a website up very basic right now to start. But uh, we're going to have updates soon. We're going to have pictures and all these things of what's going on. It's just... Uh, Nothing else to say. I mean, you did a great job asking questions, and there's more. There's still more to it, but uh, it, it, it's, it's, I'm terribly excited about this thing. So either way, I, I appreciate um, you reaching out, David. I know you're one of the beta users, so I'm stoked about that. Yeah, man, absolutely. You guys are on Facebook. Um, is, do you guys have a, a Twitter account as well, or is Facebook the best way to uh, – and an email the best way to you know, ask questions or give you guys any feedback? Yeah, Paul at DynastyOwner.com or Tim at DynastyOwner.com. Facebook is facebook.com slash dynasty owner fantasy sports. Um, we don't, we, we're going to start Twitter soon because I know that the world of sports and fantasy is all about Twitter. Uh, Tim's going to be in charge of that because I'm not on Twitter myself, but uh, gotcha. I understand how important it is for it. But uh, these are all things that are coming along down the road. Cool, man. Well, thank you very much again. Um, and uh, can't wait. It's going to be exciting. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, Thanks. cool, man. All right, peace. All right, bye. Hey, what's up, guys? Matt here uh, for the Fantasy Football Salary Captain podcast. Today we're talking some orphans. Um, as the resident orphan in our salary cap league and of this podcast, felt that it was uh, time in the off season to, to cover this topic a little bit. Got some people taking over some orphans uh, around the fantasy football universe and some may find me totally useless, say I have no clue what I'm talking about and I don't need you, but hopefully we can find a few people that uh, took over an orphan, might be in rough shape, looking for some guidance here that we can be of some assistance to or I can be of some assistance to. So that's what we're going to do here today, go over it, go over uh, my little orphan story from a couple years ago um, from where I took over that team to where I am today. Uh, self-proclaimed, I think I've done a, a pretty good job. Um, so that's what we're going to dive into. Uh, as always, find us uh, on Twitter at FFSalaryCaptain. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Matthew E. Baker. And uh, get at us anytime. Anything you got, 
We are always happy to chat some fantasy football, some salary cap with you, and uh, keep that discussion rolling on that uh, lovely, lovely Twitter world. So anyhow, let's um, talk a little bit. Orphans, orphans. So you take over an orphan. You find a, a, a situation here where, where someone had a team that was just so good and just doing so well, they just decided to, to jump ship on it, to bail on it. Uh, they were just having too much fun. The team was too good. The league just couldn't keep up with them, and they, they just walked away. And that brings in you. You say, wow, I mean, who wouldn't love to take over a team that, that just won back-to-back championships? The salary cap situation is great. Young player development's great. Um, you know, this person just left this team on a silver platter for me to, to, to manage. Well, yeah, not not quite. Uh, more often than not, the orphan takeover is a very destructive uh, team. The one I took over was a mess. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you're looking for some advice on on orphan uh, takeovers, then I have to imagine that you're in the same boat. Uh, let's be honest, people don't give up on these teams, especially salary cap uh, leagues that you have to invest a lot into, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of research into. Um, typically, if they walk away, it's a it's a rough deal. And if you're taking it over, hats off to you. If you're like me, you love the challenge. Uh, I do. I think it's uh, fascinating. I think it's a lot of fun. It requires a lot of time. It requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of zigs and zags, but it can be very rewarding. It can be a lot of fun. And it's something that, you know, I personally treat as taking over a completely mess of an NFL team. Um, You know, just picture it as, you know, silly as this sounds, real life that, all right, this team's a mess. We don't know what to do. The last guy wasn't working out. You got the keys, figure it out and make us competitive in a year or in two years. And that's kind of how I look at it. That's how I've approached it. And, you know, you got drafts, you got free agency, you got trades, you got salary cap issues, you got players holding out, as in my case, we'll get to that later. Um, You know, it's just there's so many pieces of it. It's fascinating. And you get into the the day day to day grind of constantly trying to make that team better, and I don't think that ever really stops. So, you know, there's first steps you got to do, that, but there's never a point where, okay, we're good and this thing stops. No, you got to get it to that point where, all right, I can be a the orphan side of it's over. Now it's a day to day regular salary cap fantasy football team that I can manage as such. And and that's kind of the point that I'm almost to with mine, I feel like. Um, But ultimately, that's the goal. You want to get that team to a point where you can rid all of the junk that the uh, previous owner left behind, get it to a point where you can feel good about just running it as a normal salary cap fantasy football team, get all the, the previous BS out of the way, the bad contracts, the bad players, whatever it may be, get yourself into a spot where it feels like it is totally yours and nothing is lingering from the previous owner. Now, there can be good things left over from that previous owner. Don't get me wrong. I had a few of them. Um, I don't think they were on purpose, but, um, you know, I'm not saying to rid the whole thing, but that's the ultimate goal, I think, is to get it to a point where it's yours and you're operating it no longer like an orphan, but like a regular day-to-day salary cap team. So day one, day one, you're in, assess this team. Let's assess it. I mean, top to bottom, you've got to go through this whole team, figure out what you got here. Um, You have to identify your players, your draft picks, salary cap and just make a a total assessment of where you're at uh, first and foremost and again as we talked about most orphans you're taking over it's going to be a not a pretty picture Uh, you know you need to I think find the one 
maybe two players, if any, that, okay, we absolutely need to keep these guys and, and try to build something around them. Now, when I took over my team, we essentially, I was looking at um, the two players of, of any worth were Julio Jones, Le'Veon Bell. Now, this is midway through 2017. So you're thinking, well, that's not a bad, not a bad draw. Well, it wasn't except that Le'Veon Bell was the highest played player in the whole league at $2,200 in a $10,000 cap. And Julio Jones is making $2,000. So first and foremost, it's like, all right, you know, what are we doing here? Um, sure, both good players, good fantasy players, but that's a little extreme. Um, we were in a, a super flex and, you know, just not ideal contract-wise. Um, no salary cap space when I took over this team. Uh, the only quarterback at all was Eli Manning. And for those of you who have been listening or paying attention, you know my thoughts on him as a Patriots fan. Um, so essentially, overall, this team was just in a bad cap spot and in a really deficient spot with players. So that's kind of where I was. So you've got to identify, like I did, and say, hey, we got, I don't really have players that I can build a lineup around every week that can come anywhere close to competing. And I couldn't. I mean, unless Le'Veon Bell had one of his. 2017 40 50 point games you know but you can't rely on that as a fantasy football owner um, so i had some contracts that were expiring some things that were coming up that looked good obviously i was going to have a high draft pick so um, from the start it, it just i kind of needed to redo this whole thing now what i will tell you is on the taxi squad that year there were three guys and don't overlook the taxi squad because I almost did it and it, it really would have been embarrassing. So when I say identify everything, assess everything, the taxi squad to the past rookie picks, you got to kind of watch those. So I had three, Trent Taylor, Joe Williams. Yeah, they're Joe Williams, any of you who know him, you're a deep fantasy football player, but that was just a disaster. And then I had this quarterback named Patrick Mahomes. Now, let's rewind. End of 2017, Alex Smith still with the Chiefs. Chiefs are a good team. And he's coming up, and, and the Mahomes is the heir apparent. Now, nobody knew Mahomes was going to have the year he did last year. Nobody did. So my thinking is, okay, I can get a game manager. It's an Andy Reid offense. Best case scenario, he's a, you know, a little bit, less maybe equal to Alex Smith in year one. We can work with that as we try to rebuild this team. Fast forward to today, yeah, it's Patrick Mahomes, and I lucked out on that. But I'll tell you right now, this owner that I took the team over from did not know that. Nobody knew that. And um, I almost caught bait with Mahomes just to, to start fresh. So keep an eye on your taxi squad, and I'm not saying you're going to find a Mahomes, but you know it might be worth just taking a flyer on those guys. I mean, you already got them, you own them for cheap and you know, they're not yours. So it's not always, doesn't always feel good keeping those guys around because they're not your picks. And you might say, what was he thinking? Kind of like I did have an open mind and keep the, keep an eye on those taxi squad guys because they're kind of like free players that you're going to pick up for the next year. Again, you're paying them cheap. You're paying them not a lot of money. So they can be worth the flyer. Um, identify, you know, like I said, those one or two guys are untouchable. For me at the time, it, it was Le'Veon Bell, which um, there was nothing else to hold on to. There really wasn't. So I, in my mind, I'm thinking I need someone. You need someone to build it around. Hindsight, there really wasn't anyone on this team that I should have been married to. Um, so on the other side of that, you've got to identify who's expendable, uh, players, uh, bidding money draft picks you got to have an open mind and you've got to be able to deal anyone or identify those you know the majority of the team that you can part with to help build your team um, you have to accept that that first year you take over is not going to be an easy fun year you know competitive wise 
more often than not. Uh, for the sake of argument, you know, like I said, most orphans you take over, not in a good spot. That first year is not going to be uh, fun on the side of competing week in and week out. Now, I think it's a lot of fun building the team. You have to accept that the year is probably not going to go the way you want it to. You're not going to be very competitive. Um, you have to accept that, and you've got to be flexible. You've got to be able to adapt on the fly and stay patient. And whatever the plan you make for your team, you've got to kind of stick to that, but be able to veer off course a little bit if a situation arises. Um, you need to define, in my opinion, what you want that team to look like not this season you take the team over, but the following season. Um, and what that means is you've got to look at upcoming free agents for two years ahead. Look at what your salary cap's going to look like, expiring contracts you have, um, and, and what your team, what you want your team to look like. Do you want a running back heavy team? If it's a super flex, you want um, a tight end heavy team. Do you want a wide receiver heavy team? If it's you know, what do you want it to look like? What, what do you feel works for you? And if you're taking over an orphan, generally you've got some experience fantasy football. You kind of have a, whether you know it or not, you kind of have a style and a, a, a way that works for you. So figure that out to find what you want your team to look like. And again, stick to that, but you've got to be able to be a little flexible. You know, taking over an orphan, you don't always have you know, the option to stick exactly to that plan and you can get hell bent on staying to that plan and it can be detrimental to, to building the team long-term. So I think it's important to, to identify that not that first year you take over the year after that and think what you want that team to look like come that year and how you want to make it competitive that year. Because I don't think that's out of the question to make it, uh, to have that one year of kind of rebuilding and, and zigs, zigzagging um, and setting yourself up all right so that first year again you've got to accept the fact that it's it's not going to be a, a competitive year on the field on the field quotation marks um, what you've got to do you have to be really patient and really open-minded to what you're going to do that first year as far as roster players um it can be tough because a lot of owners won't, you know, you don't, might not have a lot of assets that other owners want to come at you for with trades. You might not have a lot of assets to go seek out a trade for a player you might like or might want uh, simply because your team is in a, in a bad spot. So what I think you need to do is stay active on that waiver wire. Uh, even if your team is not competitive and you're thinking, well, what's the point of going after these guys? Everything can be an asset. Everything can be an asset. And for your orphan team, you need assets. So stay active on that waiver wire. Um, no matter how minute the player might seem, how ineffective it might seem, um, you know, I'm not telling you to go out crazy and overspend for guys, but dig deep, find guys that on the waiver wire for cheap, you can add to your team as an asset. And what I found that can be very beneficial that I missed the boat on a little bit, but I saw it happen. You stay active on that waiver wire during the year, come playoff time. You know, in our league, we have no trade deadline. Come playoff time, there's contenders that have injuries or have, you know, needs on their team, whatever it might be. And they're going to need a piece and, and you might have that piece they need, whether it's a running back, whether it's a receiver, they need to start a tight end, whatever it is you might be the guy that has that asset for them. And what are they going to do if they're competing for a championship? They're going to overpay, um, whether it be draft picks. Normally it's draft picks, players. Um, if they need someone to start that week, they are going to overpay. And if you have that asset they need, you can really make out well on that. Um, if it's a guy that you're going to lose anyway, and it's no, there's no playoff game for that player to help you on, uh, that can be a, a big asset. And in our league this year, like I said, there's no trade deadline. There were trades happening the night before the championship. So if you can stay active on that waiver wire during the year, you know, it might not always work out that way, but you never know when one man's trash might be another man's treasure. 
or another man's absolute necessity. Um, and guys get a little crazy. They're playing for a championship. There's some money involved, maybe a lot of money, depending on the league you're in. Um, guys can get a little crazy, and you, you don't want to miss the boat on that if, if you have the chance to make a deal and kind of not cash in, but you can get a really good deal out of um, that type of situation. So stay active on that waiver wire. Stay active on it. Uh, you know, there were some guys this year that were nobodies that I picked up and actually turned out to be pretty serviceable players and kept me somewhat competitive during the year. I ended up winning seven games this year and from winning two the year before. Um, and again, I'm not telling you that you can build a team off the waiver wire, but stay active on it. Get guys on your roster. You never know how they might help you or how they someone else how they might help someone else down the road in your league. Um, the other thing important, that year one of building your orphan, don't be afraid to lose a trade. And what I mean by that is just because a trade might not totally work out in your favor or you might not be getting the upper hand in it, doesn't mean you shouldn't, shouldn't make that deal. Uh, I did it a few times this year. I was looking to win every trade and I was going to be smart and I was going to you know, there was no way I was doing a trade that I wasn't going to win. And I look back at some of the trades that I turned down and, you know, it's just moronic. Um, I, I missed the boat on some really good offers, some really good trades that at the time I'm thinking, well, I'm getting fleeced and this guy is just taking advantage of me because I'm an orphan. My team's not that great and I would do anything to go back in and make those deals now. So don't be afraid to lose a trade. I'm not telling you to sell your team for nothing, but if there's a trade that, you know, you might not get the upper hand on, or you got to part with someone you may not love, um, there might be, you know, a good return on the other end, whether it's a good contract or a pick or, you know, a player that isn't great, but is serviceable and good that you can make something with um just don't be afraid to lose a trade i think everyone gets caught up in in fantasy football of needing to win a trade and that's not necessarily the case and you're playing with some smart smart players some smart guys here sometimes you just gotta make a deal and it may not work out in your favor and as long as you're smart about it and you're not being irresponsible you've got to be okay to to lose a trade make your team better, set that team up for that year two that we were talking about uh, and just move on. Because if I could go back and, and make some of these deals that I passed on simply because I didn't think I was winning the trade, um, my team would be in, in a lot better spot right now. And I don't hate the spot I'm going into next year. Um, but, you know, just have an open mind. Don't be afraid to lose a trade. All right, so heading into that year two, the, the 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 second year of ownership for the orphan, which is where second full year, which is where I'm heading this year. Um, this is the time where it, you you gotta kind of be aggressive a bit. You know, hopefully that first year you set your team up. Um, you kind of got rid of some of the bad contracts, some of the players you didn't like, got yourself in a good spot um, overall. And just to give you a quick rundown of where I'm at, um, again, started out with no draft, um, no cap space, four roster players heading into my year one. Um, just a, a mess. And Le'Veon Bell, who didn't play a snap all year and was the highest paid player in our league. So heading into my year two, uh, just being flexible. And again, I'm not telling you that I know everything and that it all worked out because of what I just laid out in this in this podcast but i stayed flexible i made some mistakes sure it's gonna happen um but i head into year two of my ownership with uh the second most cap space heading into free agency uh the levy on bell is gone off my roster um i got david johnson on my roster who is a lot cheaper option than levy on bell and was actually signed for longer and at least he played some football this year. Um, and I also have two top five picks heading into next year. So uh, four and five overall, second most cap space. And I won seven games last year. 
So I feel that, you know, I kind of put myself in a good spot. You know, winning seven games with, with the roster I had was uh, kind of wild. But I did it and didn't make the playoffs, anything like that. Didn't come close. And Patrick Mahomes probably won six of those by himself. But regardless, I was able to put myself in a spot um, to stay competitive a little bit, have some fun week to week while I was rebuilding this team. Um Heading into next year, I'm really excited. Um, I have options. You know, I have those two top five picks. I have a lot of cap space. Um, I don't really have any bad contracts. Uh, you know, I've, I've been flexible. Obviously, I'm, Mahomes is really cheap for me. But I feel good about where this team is heading. Um, and sure, like I said, I've made some mistakes. But the, the biggest thing I've done to get myself to this point is to stay flexible. Um, you know, players that I never thought I would want on a fantasy team. I have, um, you know, being creative with trades, being creative with the tags. And I feel good heading into 2019 that, that I can have a team that, you know, could, big could, uh, be a playoff team. I don't think I can win a championship. But, um, you know, I, I think that heading into 2019, I'm in a really good spot and I was able to still have the flexibility to do some different things. Um, got those two top five picks next year. I did have to give up a first round pick to roster T.Y. Hilton. But again, you're getting a, a solid fantasy player that can start week in and week out and contribute for you. And I, I, I'm really excited about this year. And I still think I have a year to go. But that second year of ownership, the team more so looks like a team that I wanted to build, players that I put on my team, and um, assets that, that I acquired in that last year of rebuilding. So hopefully you guys are able to take with this, um, take a little bit. If you're able to take one thing, a couple things out of this and get some thoughts or just get some ideas for your orphan, um, all I can tell you is to stay flexible, have fun with it treat it like an, an NFL team as silly as that sounds in my demented head. That's how you got to treat it. Um, treat it like you were building a franchise and what you'd want it to look like. It's not a one year deal. It can be a long haul. Stay patient, stay flexible. Uh, don't be afraid to lose a trade and have some fun with it. Good luck this year. And I think uh, taking over an orphan if it's something you've done, it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. You know, you can have some fun with it. You can make the team good. And, and when you get to that point, when you're competitive and when you're competing for championships, it will be that much more rewarding and you'll have a great story to tell. So I thank you guys for listening, for giving us some time on the podcast as always uh, at the FF Salary Captain podcast. Come at us on Twitter. Let us know anything you got. We'd love to hear from you guys as always. And uh, we will talk to you next time.